Mic check, one, two, one, two. Mic check, one, two, one, two. It's a Taste to Consider podcast. I'm your host, Dirk Silver, and I'm back. Back for another episode. Let's go. Say stick and sit a podcast. We back for another episode. Another week has ended. Another week is about to begin. Let's go. I played my parts with the honey's heart. It's gotten even worse now that the money's washed. Like another yard, the 9 8 find me straight. Good health, can't complain about my financial state. What else? I guess tomorrow knows. I run through chicks like borrowed clothes. I'm the type of nigga your father opposed. Have a test, Jay, follow the codes. Essay, on my best day, I'm like a guard with a flow. Bless me. Say, sick and sit a podcast. Are you chasing that man? Knowing that he can't love you like I can. Let's go. I guess you'd rather chase instead of feeling what's real inside. I got to thinking, and I hope you realize all this love for free. Consider the podcast. Let's go. Sweet cherry surprise. Let me up inside of your body tonight. There's so much that we can do. Me and I'll do you. Know how much I wanna taste your loving. So Say stick and sit a podcast back for another episode. Say stick and sit a podcast. Let's go. Let's go. Can't get enough yeah. of the love. In the SL with music at a high decimal. Mommy frightened, touching buttons like she's special. Cause we said swell in the best tell. Rockefeller cartel, excelling like a Hyundai. Sunday to Sunday, it's for the nachos. Come out the clothes. And baby girl, if it's hammer time, hide your toes. But the game cold, like five below. But once inside the show, we tow it down. About that money, we throw it around. So when the ice hit the sun rays, run for shade. Game's over, we didn't come to play. The fuck y'all thinking? Say stick and sit a podcast. We back for another episode. Yes, indeed, we back for another episode. Another episode of a taste to consider podcast. 
Back for another episode. Yes, indeed. A taste to consider podcast. Back for another episode. It's another week ending. Another week is about to begin. This is Saturday evening. I'm recording a few hours early. Uh, the Pacquiao fight is coming on tonight. So I uh, got a couple of the fellas coming over to watch the fight. So got to knock this episode out. But I won't sell you short. You will definitely get a good taste this episode. Take a puff of the cigar. I am smoking on a Nick's Sticks. <laughs> That's the name of the cigar. Nick's Sticks. Yes. And I'm drinking some Woodenville whiskey. Um, I've had this before on the show. Uh, it's a good whiskey. Uh, I finished the bottle off. Um, had it for a while. Excuse me. I'm so sorry. First burp of the show. Five minutes in. Whoo, man. I tell you, I contemplated whether or not I was even going to record today. I ain't going. I ain't going to lie. This this was kind of a. I ain't going to say it was a rough week. It was a interesting week. Had some difficulties in it. Um, but overall, it was a good week. Um. You know, I made it through, so it was definitely a good week. But I will be discussing later on some of the interesting things about this week, some of the difficulties that I have. Um, I contemplated whether or not I was even going to discuss it. Uh, as much as vulnerable as I am on this podcast and on my blog, greatestiamblog.com, greatest.i.am.blog on Instagram, sometimes majority of the time <laughs> I be embarrassed when I'm uh being vulnerable. I ain't going to lie. I be embarrassed. Um I guess I can't assume that most people will understand that, but I'm sure some people who who do, who do understand, who does understand that, you know. Being vulnerable can be embarrassing because I mean, shoot as plain as it as it says, you're being vulnerable, you know. Um, but that's what I signed up for. So, you know, I gotta do it. As much as it, it is embarrassing and uncomfortable at times, um, I have to do it. That's how I feel. I feel like I have to do it. So um let's get into the show. Yeah, um, let me take a puff of the cigar real quick. This is my first time having a cigar, Nick Sticks. Um, but it's a good cigar. I like it. Um, despite the fact that some of the tobacco fell into my drink <laughs> and I had to fish it out. But the cigar is real good. Uh, this Goes great with the Woodenville whiskey. I'm on my second glass right now. Um, I had to do, I had to like, um, not necessarily rush, but push things 
a little faster with the with the day. You know, um, I went to the gym a little earlier than I normally do, um, but I got a good workout in. I definitely needed that workout because of the the difficulties throughout the week. I didn't work out as much as I normally do. I usually work out five to six times a week. I only worked out three times this week. Um, it was, yeah, the difficulties just had me um, through my routine off and stuff. But I got it in the day. Great workout. Um, I'm here right now getting this show going. Um, yeah, so... Let's jump right into the show because um, I got a two-hour window right now before um, the fella starts showing up, so I want to have all this done and stuff. So, let me look at the outline. Um, Played the song, check. Intro, the cigar and drink, check. Let's move on to the movie and TV reviews. Um, let's see. Let me pull up my stuff. Uh, here we go. First movie. I watched this one early in the week. I believe I watched it on Monday. It was a new movie that popped up on Netflix. It's called Beckett, uh, starring John David Washington, Denzel Washington's uh, son. And... I enjoyed it. I thought the movie was very good. And what was interesting about this movie was that when I when I saw like other people talking about it on social media, I saw people saying they didn't like it, saying that it didn't have plot twists and it was boring and stuff like that. And I'm like, what the hell was y'all watching? But the, the funny thing about it is the people who were saying all this stuff was common under somebody under an influencer's take of the movie and and this influencer's take of the movie was that the movie was bad so i just looked at it like man they just following they just following along trying to get catch the eye or be in sync with the influencers take on the movie because the movie was a good ass movie it had action in it it had drama it was had thriller moments in it it had like I said, people were saying that it didn't have plot twists. It had two plot twists in the movie. And I'm like, are y'all just using that term and y'all don't know what it means? Because the movie really had two plot twists in it. The movie was a good-ass movie. Like, even though it came out on Netflix, I would have went to the movie theater to see this movie. John David Washington did a good job, as usual. He's proven to be a good actor. And it just takes me back to when I was having that conversation about Michael B. Jordan and people saying, is he the next Denzel and stuff? I can see John David Washington being the next Denzel, which is his father, before I see Michael B. Jordan doing it. Because John David Washington has range to him. And he's proven it in different types of movies. He's proven it. Even when he was on the TV show um, Ballers with The Rock that came on HBO, he's proven that he has range. So, check out Beckett. Don't listen to no bullshit influencers take on it. Don't listen to me either, <laughs> as, as far as the movie being good. But just check it out for yourself. That's all I'm saying. Just check the movie out for yourself. I enjoyed the movie. I don't ex- 
expect everybody to enjoy the movie, but it's worth watching. It's not going to waste your time. You know, you know how I feel about that term, waste your time. It's not going to waste your time. So check the movie out. I thought it was a good movie. Had action in it. Had drama. Had two plot twists. And it was cool. And the funny thing about the movie is, um, without giving out any spoilers and stuff, like watching that movie showed me even more, even though I've been out of the country before, that movie showed me why why I always have reservations and paranoia and anxiety about <laughs> going out of the country. <laughs> so check the movie out. It was a, it was a real good movie. Let me take another puff. I had to take a couple of puffs because the cigar going down. But it's almost finished, so it's good. Whew. Um, the other movie that I watched this week, um, and this this movie was a recommendation from a listener of the show. <laughs> and they know who they are. <laughs> this movie, I saw, um, it was an Amazon Prime movie. And it was called Bliss. It had uh, Owen Wilson and Salma Hayek in it. And... <laughs> the movie was awful. <laughs> the movie was awful, not because, of, like, it, the movie had a good message to it, but the way that they went about it in the movie was just kind of like, I'm like, why? <laughs> like, why? Why did y'all make this movie? It had a great message to it, had a great message to it, but the way that they went about it was kind of weird. It was just weird. Like, I recommend checking it out because um, it had a good message to it, life message, but it was kind of weird the way they went about it. Um, yeah, so that movie is called Blissed, and it's on Amazon Prime. All right, uh, what else? And I watched the, uh, excuse me, Burp 2. I watched a documentary this week on Amazon Prime as well. And it was called Man Child, the Shea Cotton Story. Like I said, this is a documentary. Y'all know how I feel about documentaries. I enjoy documentaries. And I enjoyed this documentary. It's an hour and 18 minutes, and it was about this uh, basketball player, Shea, Shea Cotton. And it just went through his life and how he started out playing basketball as a youth and how um, this was before, like, social media or whatever. They was calling – he was he was LeBron before LeBron. That's that's what everybody kept saying. And from, from the documentary, that's exactly who he was. He was LeBron James before LeBron James. And his story, man, is uh, – a beautiful, it's a beautiful story, but it's also a sad story at the same time. Because ultimately, even though he was considered the next LeBron James, he didn't make it to the NBA. He didn't have that, he didn't have that uh, flashing lights, highlight story of making it to the NBA. You know, 
as a as a teen as a young teenager or youth playing basketball and stuff, everybody was going crazy over him. Uh, high school, I ain't gonna say stadiums or arenas, but high school gyms were filling up for people to go see him. College uh, recruiters, college coaches, NBA stars. He played alongside some of the some of the greats that have played in the NBA, Kevin Garnett, all those type of people. And he didn't make it to the NBA. And I, I, I highly recommend everybody to watch this documentary. It's called Manchild, the Shea Cotton story. He was called Manchild because he dominated when he was playing as a youth. And he had some unfortunate incidents that happened in his life that prevented him from making it to the NBA. And I'm going to play a clip from the documentary that I thought was just powerful. So uh, let me pull that up. I said, now is the time for me to end it. I'm tired and, and I'm ready to go. You know, the fight, I'm tired of the fight. And she responded and told me, well, if you're going to do it, come pick me up. I want to go with you. And when she told me that, Something went off in my head. It's like, wow, that's heavy. If I have that kind of impact to do something maybe in a negative way, I could imagine what I could do, putting my mind to something and doing something powerful, something positive. And that stopped me from pulling the trigger. I had a 357 um, out, cocked, ready to go. And then I had it up, up to my head. And when I thought about that, it's like my life fast in front of me. And I saw my mother and I saw my family and people crying and I froze. And he was talking about, you know, um, not making it, um, his life not going the way that he thought it was going to go, the way that it was laid out, the way it was supposed to go, the way that everyone expected it to go. And he talked about the moment that he he was going to commit suicide and he told his girlfriend that he was about to commit suicide and his girlfriend said to him well come pick me up because if you're going to go I want to go with you and it's crazy because even when I'm saying it right now and thinking about when I was watching this clip like I'm getting emotional off of it because that's some that's some as negative as it was that's some powerful stuff like his girlfriend believed in him that much that he wanted to go so bad that she wanted to go with him. It's powerful in the sense of that she believed in him so much and powerful at the same time that, you know, um, thinking about the last episode, reflections. Reflections of your reflexes. Like, all the stuff that he went through and he was reflecting back on it and stuff and he was just tired. He was done. But then he, he had that that reflection of his family and his friends and stuff mourning over him, grieving, crying and stuff over him, and that led him not to commit suicide. So it was a good documentary. And once again, it was called Man Child, The Shea Cotton Story. And I rec it was on Amazon Prime, but if you got a fire stick, you know how to maneuver to get it. So <laughs> check that documentary out. It's an hour and 18 minutes. It is worth your time. Whew. Dang. 
So, I had the fortunate experience to catch the new Marvel movie, Shang-Chi, early. Um, I got to go to an early movie screening of Shang-Chi, the new Marvel movie, the new Marvel character, Shang-Chi, um, in theaters. I saw that, uh, what was that, Wednesday? Yeah, it was Wednesday. I saw it, movie screening. And it comes out September 3rd. That's a Friday. But you know they have Thursday screenings, which is September 2nd. So the movie is worth going to see. The movie was a really good movie. It was a good Marvel movie. Even though it followed the the normal Marvel, um, what is it, the, the normal Marvel script of how they do their movies, this was a good movie for the fact that they... This was their first time introducing the character. They didn't have, they didn't introduce them into anybody else's movie the same way that they did Black Panther and some of the other characters. But the movie was real good. I know a lot of people are saying that this movie is going to have the same impact as Black Panther. I don't see it that way. I feel like it is going to be big for the Asian community, but it's not going to be as big as Black Panther was for the, the black community. But the movie was good. It had great action to it, great martial arts to it, the the uh, the um, choreography in it was good. Um, it followed the normal Marvel script, so it was it's a good movie. Um, I saw it at the movie premiere, and I wouldn't mind seeing it again in theaters. Um, but yeah, check Check that out when it comes out. Shang-Chi, um, it's a good movie. And they had uh, two post-credit scenes. Anybody who's in the Marvel movies and seen plenty of Marvel movies, you know about the post-credit scenes. And a lot of people was going crazy over the mid-credit scenes, but I'm here to tell you. Um, <laughs> I can't give any spoilers away because of the uh, embargo that, that they have going on right now, uh, Marvel Studios and Disney prohibited people who've seen the early screeners from giving spoilers away. But the mid-credit scene, people are going crazy over it. But it is 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 overblown. It's a good it's a good mid-credit scene, but it's 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 overblown. <laughs> but the movie is still worth checking out. It's a good Marvel movie. It's actually one of the the best Marvel movies that I've seen. Um, I have my top five and stuff of Marvel movies, and this one is probably leaking in the top five, if not just right outside the top five, but it's definitely a good movie. Um, I'm interested to see what they're going to do with this character as far as implementing him and into other uh, Marvel movies and the upcoming Avengers 5 and stuff like that. So, yeah, check that out. It was a good movie. So, moving along from the movie and TV reviews, um, now we're on to the blackity black woke segment. Blackity black woke segment. <laughs> oh, man. Let me see. Let me look at this outline. I can't even read my own handwriting. Um, okay. Yeah. It's just it's just normal. 
at this at the way that society is today that you have to expect that the blackity black woke stage is going to have vaccine COVID-19 talking in it because that's just where we are right now so you're going to have to deal with it <laughs> I mean you can fast forward if you don't want to hear about it I'm not going to give any big takes on on stuff and that like that because like I've always prefaced when I've talked about the vaccine stuff and COVID stuff for one, I'm not vaccinated. I don't plan on getting vaccinated. But people who are closest to me that I care about and love are vaccinated. My parents, my brother, my sister-in-law. I got friends that's um, vaccinated. So this is not a thing of me shunning people or judging people or anything like that. It's just me giving information and giving just a slight opinion, some slight views and stuff on it. My whole thing is I'm going at the people who are vaccinated and talking that shit. They talking that shit, so I'm going to talk my shit. If you vaccinated and that's the choice you made, I'm fine with it. As long as, long as you're fine with me making the choice that I made, because when it comes down to it, I feel that's what it should be. Every individual's choice. So, moving along, Iceland has been a vaccination success. Why is it seeing a coronavirus surge? Yeah. Moving along from that topic. <laughs> um, let me see. Let me pull this up. Children born during the COVID-19 pandemic have lower IQs, study says. How the fuck are they able to, to study the IQs of newborn babies? Please tell me this shit, <laughs> because I'm confused. How? How, Sway? <laughs> like, come on, man. They just making up shit. And this is when these conspiracy theories come up and stuff or whatever about population control and stuff like that, because it's like they trying to, they trying to suggest to people or trying to push people not to have kids right now during this pandemic and stuff, because they trying to lower the population and they trying to scare people from having kids because the kids going to be dumb. <laughs> How the fuck are they testing IQs for babies? <laughs> Please tell me this. Oh, my goodness, man. <sighs> Moving along. Over 5,000 students in one Florida county have been quarantined after testing positive for COVID-19 or being exposed. And we all know about Florida and the shenanigans there. And like I said, I'm not sitting here saying COVID-19 isn't real, the coronavirus isn't real. I understand that it's real. So I ain't got time to be hearing y'all bullshit. <laughs> so it says, according to officials, thousands of students in the Florida County School have either tested positive for COVID-19 or have been exposed and are now quarantined. Just days after the first day of school, the Hillsborough County School Board reported that 5,599 students have been quarantined for either testing positive for COVID-19 or being exposed, according to official website. This is said to be an increase of about 1,200 students when it was reported on Friday that 4,477 students were quarantined. Be careful, everybody. Take your precautions. Here, here in 
DC. It says that DC youth 12 through 17 who get vaccinated will receive AirPods with their first shot and a chance to win $25,000 scholarship, an iPad, and headphones. This is crazy. This stuff that they they trying to trying to push on these kids and these parents, giving them incentive to take this damn virus. And it's crazy, man. Um, the NFL's Las Vegas Raiders will require attendees to provide proof of vaccination on their phone to enter the stadium this season, or fans can get vaccinated in the parking lot. Excuse me. Burp number three, four, I don't know. And watch the game, excuse me, another one. And watch the game while wearing a mask. So if you already bought those season tickets and you ain't been vaccinated, your ass got to get vaccinated or you wasting your money or you better sell them damn tickets. Either way, they're going to make sure they get your ass vaccinated. Um, NBC News is reporting that new data suggests vaccinated people have higher levels of virus in them and can infect other people. That would mean the new surge may be caused by them, not the unvaccinated. And you know, we've heard this narrative plenty of times from the president, the vice president, government officials, news, mainstream media that the unvaccinated people are causing this surge in the virus and the Delta variant and stuff like that. But all I know is the unvaccinated people are still taking their precautions. The vaccinated people, they like, shit, I got my vaccine. I can go out and party now. I can go out to these festivals. I can go back to the restaurants. I can go to the club. I can go wherever the hell is open. (laughs) Man. Major vaccine checker funded by group headed by former CDC director with $1.9 billion in Johnson & Johnson stock. I've talked about this plenty of times. This shit is a money game. This vaccine, this coronavirus, this shit is a money game. And once again, I'm not saying that the coronavirus isn't real. You know, I've reported already, well, I've mentioned reports of how this coronavirus was man-made even by it was admitted through the emails of the own uh Fauci Fauci's ass his emails it was found in his emails this shit is a money grab but let me play this clip for y'all this is a clip from a nurse who has been dealing with this so let me pull it up oh look at that as soon as i touch it it's right up there one second so hi i'm a crna here in the houston area certified registered nurse anesthetist on the front lines fighting covid so basically let's help you guys understand vaccinated versus unvaccinated 
Today I take I took care of a patient. She has been vaccinated, contracted COVID um, in July on July the 23rd. Has been positive since then. Her friend is also vaccinated, also contracted COVID. Okay, so she actually had no symptoms. Her friend actually had every sign and symptom of COVID and is currently fighting for her life right now. She is able to be moved off the COVID unit because now her um, infection, she's been asymptomatic and so they're going to move her to the step down COVID um, unit. Um, I have another colleague who has who got the vaccination who has been having this rash. First they thought it was shingles. Now it's not shingles. Um, once it heals in one part of her body then it moves to another part. And this is something that happened after she got the vaccination. So I'm just here to tell you guys, you know, the media is painted out like, okay, this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated people that unvaccinated people are just running around here giving people cold. That ain't true. You, you got the vaccination. You can still give other people, you can still give other people COVID. A colleague, she, she, uh, one of my anesthesia colleagues, all her family is vaccinated. They went to a camp. Half of the people wasn't vaccinated. But everybody in the camp got COVID. So the vaccinated, unvaccinated still got COVID. So we're all out here fighting a fight together. So, you know, this stuff about being insensitive, unvaccinated people are insensitive. That is so not true. And patients saying that, oh, I don't want this person to take care of me because they're not vaccinated. You guys come in the hospital with all types of diseases. We don't pick and choose which disease we're going to treat. We just take care of you. And so you can get back home to your family. So no one is out here being insensitive. We're all out here fighting this fight together. And as long as you, we continue to be divided, then guess what? COVID is still going to be around here. Divide and conquer. I've been saying this for several episodes. They are trying to divide and conquer the unvaccinated versus the vaccinated. This shit ain't rocket science. Y'all want to talk about science, science, science. She's on the front line. We've had we've heard plenty of stories from doctors and nurses on the front lines saying what these so-called scientists and these politicians and shit. Man. <laughs> um, what's next? Let me see. Large insurers have stopped waiving COVID-19 treatment calls. And analysis found hospitalization could cost you thousands. This is more divide and conquer shit right here. Despite the fact that this is a pandemic, these medical insurers are playing the game. Playing the game because this is all a money grab. This is all a money grab. I've pointed out plenty of times about these companies, Moderna, Pfizer and stuff, all the money they have made since this shit has been going on. This shit is no different from any quote unquote conspiracy theory when you think about 9-11, um, these wars, all these people who are involved, these corporations and stuff that in, that's involved and how these, uh, these politicians are getting their pockets filled from these corporations. Let me play this other clip. Go ahead. Um, 
Jen, two questions on the vaccine. Um, first, you had mentioned yesterday that every individual uh, at this White House has been, quote, offered a vaccine. So can you clarify, is the administration not mandating vaccines for White House staff? No, we have not mandated. Okay. And do you have a count, or can you offer any confirmation to us on the percentage of employees who are vaccinated? I'm not going to provide that. I'll see if there's more information to <laughs> provide. Sure on how you're confirming vaccination status of employees? Well, they're vaccinated here in the White House medical unit for the most part. Yeah. There you go. The own, your own White House, where you got your boy, Biden, you got your girl, Miss Pearls and Chucks, Kamala Harris, but the White House ain't even mandating it. But they telling states and cities to mandate it for their, their residents. Come on now. Y'all got to see this, man. Y'all got to stop following these these. <laughs> going back to the nurses and the doctors and stuff that's on the front lines working all this stuff you know a lot of them are being man not a lot of them all of them are being mandated to get the vaccination and stuff like that or they're going to be fired you know what i'm saying so how important is it that how important is it that these these doctors and these nurses do their job to treat these people but you're going to fire them if they don't get the vaccination. Come on now, make this make sense. That's what I'm saying. People don't, people ain't trying to think. People aren't using their critical thinking skills. They they just want to just, ignorance is bliss. It's, it's fine for other people to make decisions for you as long as you get to go back to doing whatever you was doing in your life. The healthcare system is so overwhelmed and doctors and nurses are such heroes that they're about to fire thousands of them for not getting an injection. Dwell on that one. I mean, <laughs> come on. Ah, oh, man. Here's another post that I, I came across that spoke volumes to all the things that I've been saying. COVID has really exposed what's wrong with society in general. Instead of making lifestyle changes, we were at the look for quick fixes to problems. Instead of diet slash lifestyle change, we rather a shot because we get to continue our reckless behavior. And that's what I was just saying. And what has been the biggest thing, if you've been paying attention and not just running with the narratives that's been getting given to you, <clears throat> Majority of the people who have been diagnosed with, with the coronavirus have been what? Obese. Overweight. Obese and overweight. This is how majority of the society treat life. I mean, instead of making, instead of being disciplined and making changes in your life and stuff, you know, we always looking for quick fixes. We live in a microwave society. Microwave society. And that just takes me back to, I forgot to mention this when I was thinking about the movie Beckett. Like, people are so quick to deem something not good or whatever they want to deem it <laughs> because it ain't quick enough. It is not stimulating them fast enough. A lot of us, not even a lot of us, 
All of us out here are addicts in some form or fashion. We want quick fixes. We want that quick stimulation. And if we don't get it, it's a problem. It's a problem in all facets of life. I talk about relationships a lot on this podcast. If you ain't getting that quick fix, if you ain't getting that quick stimulation, that quick gratification, it's a problem. I'm going to play this clip. This clip is kind of long, but I came across, and I feel like it's worth playing. It's it's a clip. Uh, it's actually a news a news story, and it came out back in the day, and it's in reference to the swine flu. Because one one thing that I I'm great at doing research. I'm I'm very analytical. I love researching stuff. So we've had a pandemic about every 100 years. So this one right here is talking about the swine flu. And listen to this this news story, and you'll hear a lot of a, a lot of the similarities of what's being pushed out to us today from the mainstream media and from these politicians and stuff and these influencers that are being paid to push this stuff out here. So the clip about four minutes long, but bear with me. Just bear with me. Here we go. Swine flu scare of 1976. That was the year the U.S. government told us all that swine flu could turn out to be a killer that could spread across the nation. And Washington decided that every man, woman, and child in the nation should get a shot to prevent a nationwide outbreak, a pandemic. I don't need another flu shot. I had a flu shot last year. A swine flu epidemic may be coming. Swine flu? Man, I'm too fast for that to catch me. You'll want to be protected, especially if you're elderly or chronically ill. Get a shot of protection. The swine flu shot. Well, 46 million of us obediently took the shot. And now 4,000 Americans are claiming damages from Uncle Sam amounting to three and a half billion dollars because of what happened when they took that shot. By far the greatest number of the claims, two-thirds of them, are for neurological damage or even death. This virus was the cause of a pandemic in 1918 and 1919 that resulted in over half a million deaths in the United States as well as 20 million deaths around the world. See how easy it is to Thus, the U.S. government's publicity machine was cranked into action to urge all America to protect itself against the swine flu menace. Influenza is serious business. During major flu epidemics, millions of people are sick and thousands die. Well, this year you can get protection. The vaccines are safe, easy to take, and they can protect you against flu. So roll up your sleeve. Protect yourself. One of those who did roll up her sleeve was Judy Roberts. She was perfectly healthy, an active woman, when in November of 1976, she took her shot. Two weeks later, she says, she began to feel a numbness starting up her legs. By the following week, I was totally paralyzed. So completely paralyzed, in fact, that they had to operate on her to enable her to breathe. And for six months, Judy Roberts was a quadriplegic. The diagnosis? A neurological disorder called Guillain-Barre syndrome. This disease can even kill. Indeed, there are 300 claims now pending from the families of GBS victims who died, allegedly as a result of the swine flu shot. Judy, why did you take the flu shot? 
I'd never taken any other flu shots, but I felt like this was going to be a major epidemic. And the only way to prevent a major epidemic of a, a really deadly variety of flu was for everybody to be immunized. As part of informing Americans about the swine flu threat, Dr. Sensor's CDC also helped create the advertising to get the public to take the shot. There's only one thing I can think of that hits harder than us. What can that be? The swine flu. It can knock you flat. So what's the defense for it, huh? Like our philosophy. You got to hit it before it hits you. You mean the shot? Yeah. You got yours? You better believe it. If swine flu wants to challenge me, I'm ready. Oh, me too, brother. Me too. Get the swine flu shot. Time is running out. Let me read to you from one of your own agency's memos planning the campaign to urge Americans to take the shot. The swine flu vaccine has been taken by many important persons, he wrote. Example, President Ford, Henry Kissinger, Elton John, Muhammad Ali, Mary Tyler Moore, Rudolph Nureyev, Walter Cronkite, Ralph Nader, Edward Kennedy, etc., etc. Did you talk to these people beforehand to find out if they planned to take the shot? I did not know. Did anybody? I do not know. Did you get permission to use their names in your campaign? I do not know. Mary, did you take a swine flu shot? No, I did not. Did you give them permission to use your name saying that you had or were going to? Absolutely not. Never did. Did you ask your own doctor about taking the swine flu shot? Yes, and at the time he thought it might be a good idea. Um, but I resisted it because I was leery of having the symptoms that sometimes go with that kind of inoculation. A man with my government because they knew the facts. But they didn't release those facts because they, if they had released them, the people wouldn't have taken And they can come out tomorrow and tell me there's going to be an epidemic. And they can drop off like flies next to me. I will not take another shot that my government tells me to take. Meantime, Judy Roberts and some 4,000 others like her are still waiting for their day in... Yeah, couple of things. As stated in this, in that uh, news report, they said that, you know, they use celebrities in the campaign to push it. And the person who was in charge didn't speak to none of those celebrities. He don't even know if they took the shot or not. And one of the people that was mentioned was Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali is a Muslim. Muhammad Ali ain't taking no daggone vaccine. I can tell you that right now. Because the nation of Islam is against that. One of the big organizations right now that's against taking the shot. The shot today. So I know they was against it back then. Lies. Because they know people ain't going to do research for themselves. They know people ain't going to think for themselves. They know how to play people. And they've been playing us. And another thing about this clip. <laughs> when they talked about, um, <laughs> I'm laughing right now because I got a message um, from one of my boys. He saw uh Usually before I record, I post pictures and stuff, you know, uh, me pre-gaming and stuff. And he, he just sent the message. He was like, oh, yeah, I see your pictures. We about to, we about to get it in. <laughs> but, um, yeah, let me get back on track. 
they don't they not reporting all the information. They not giving everybody all the information because they know majority of the people ain't going to look it up for themselves. So, I've discussed this plenty of times on the podcast the VAERS the VAERS report or the VAERS study. Right now it's V A E R S. And that has all the data from all the shit that's going on with this coronavirus shit. It's the VAERS data. VAERS Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. The website is vaers.hhs.gov. And knowing that they have all the information, the recent data from the coronavirus and the vaccine. And on there, they show you the people, the many people who have been vaccinated that has been sick who have died that they don't report, but they keep trying to push this shit out there that unvaccinated people are the cause of of this new surge or this Delta variant and stuff like that. But we ain't hit, man. (laughs) Israel, once the model for beating COVID, faces new surge of infections. Israel, they was from the jump, they was on it with the vaccines. But now they're having a surge of infections. It says one of the most vaccinated societies, Israel now has one of the highest infection rates in the world, raising questions about the vaccine's efficiency. Come on. (sighs) Moving along. North Carolina lawmakers vote to raise minimum age for marriage from 14 to 16. I'm going to read that again. (laughs) North Carolina lawmakers vote to raise minimum age for marriage from 14 to 16. I bring this up only because it was interesting because uh, me and my brother, we collaborate a lot on looking up our uh, genealogy and our family records and stuff like that. And our family is from North Carolina and stuff. And we recently came across um, a great, great, great grandfather um, that we have on our dad's side. And we were looking at some census records and stuff like that. And we came across, uh, he was married twice. And um, his first marriage, his wife was, a she was of adult age, but he was definitely like a few years older than her. And then we saw like his second, the second marriage, because he, my brother texted me when we was looking at this when he was looking at the census records and like I think she was his second wife was probably like 15 or 16 years old or whatever and he was like 30 or 40 or something like that so I mean like we know that this we know this stuff goes on in society now but we know it was definitely prevalent back in the day you know in, in those in those days like for an example, like if you think about the the movie The Color Purple, like we know this stuff goes on. So I, so I thought that was funny. Not funny, but, you know, I thought it was interesting to bring up. Moving along. Um, just in, U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services asking for volunteers to help process special immigrant visas for Afghan nationals and their families. And if you pay attention to the news, you know all the stuff that's going on in Afghanistan right now. And um, I don't want to get deep into it. So uh, 
If you don't know what's going on, look it up. Watch CNN. The shit is all on CNN. I don't watch CNN no more, but it's on there. <laughs> so I bring all that up for all of this. It's $2 trillion to train and equip an Afghan military over the past 20 years. This was even during uh, Bush's time. This is when I talk about all this money play shit. Like the Iraq War, 9-11, the, the war in Afghanistan with the Taliban, uh, Osama bin Laden, Gaddafi, all that shit like that. All this shit is money plays and relationships that they had with these people that they was done with them and they they got what they needed or they needed more so they had to eliminate the the relationship because the people grew some some balls and decided that they wanted to do something different against the deal and all this other stuff. So this, I don't understand why people trust the government that we have, any government, any politician, because these niggas will sell you out, make you collateral damage just to get what they want to get or do something in the name of uh, religion or whatever. <laughs> Biden authorizes $500 million more for Afghan refugee relocation. Here we go again. Here we go again. Another group of people that isn't considered so-called black in America or so-called African-American in America getting resources, and we aren't. Here we go again. Like, I don't understand. Like, at some point, we're going to have to come together. We're going to have to see this shit. But we too worried about Beyonce posting her new pictures of her of her ass on, on the internet. Or Future's new baby mother. Or Nick Cannon's new baby mother. Or what new song came out. Or Kanye doing another listening party or some shit. Like, come on now, man. <laughs> we, we on that bullshit. We are on that bullshit. The U.S. occupation of Afghanistan reportedly cost $300 million per day for 20 years. That equals roughly to $21 trillion. $21 trillion, $900 billion. So we we got to stop this shit when they telling us that they don't have the resources for rep reparations for black Americans in this country. They got the money. They don't want to give it to us. They'll sit here and say, well, let's do a study on, on reparations first before we decide what money we going to give them. But they just gave monies to the Mexicans. They bought to get they giving money to the Afghanistans. Come on now. Come on. And this is what I've said plenty of times before. They are building their base. They're building their base. They're building their base with the, like, the Hispanic community, the white Hispanic community, as well as now with these Afghanistans, these white Afghanistans, because these white Afghan Americans identify themselves as white Americans. 
All this shit is a game, man. All this shit is a fucking game. They talking this shit about the Taliban and all this other stuff. Um, talking about them, their representation of Islam and all this other stuff and trying to deem Islam as bad and all this other stuff. But what about, let's, let's be real, what about Christianity? What about the KKK? The Ku Klux Klan was a, was a big representation back in the day of Christianity. Still to this day. I recently saw a clip on social media and I, I was discussing it with my brother and we we had a little discussion about it because um he goes up to Pennsylvania a lot because that's where my sister-in-law's family is from and in this clip it was a a little part of Pennsylvania where they had this billboard up that's saying that white lives matter and you know um Christianity is white, Jesus is white, and all that other stuff like that. And come on now. I mean, people ain't ain't trying to use their critical thinking skills. <laughs> they they talking about the Taliban and how they took over the the um the presidential palace compound and all this other stuff. And they throwing these pictures and videos out there on mainstream media. And that shit ain't look no different from them white motherfuckers that took over the Capitol and destroyed shit and went into offices and stuff like that. And we know what they did with them. They just gave them a fucking slap on the wrist. This shit is all a fucking game, man. Just like Dick Gregory used to say, this shit is all a fucking game. All a game. I got another clip for y'all. Let me let me pull this up. Let me. I think y'all heard this clip before, but I'm going to play it again just in case, you know, y'all might not have heard it. Where you go? Here you go right here. Here we go. Any policy that will benefit black people will benefit all of society. Let's be clear about that. Let's really be clear about that. So I'm not going to sit here and say I'm going to do something that's only going to benefit black people. No, because whatever benefits that black family will benefit that community and society as a whole and the country, right? Man, y'all better stop falling for this fucking symbolism. This shit right here. That was y'all girls, Miss Chucks and Pearls. <laughs> uh, moving along. This week in world news, thousands of Haitians deported. Thousands of Afghans imported. Refugee advocates demand United States stop deportations to Haiti following earthquake. See what I'm saying right here? I mean, like, come on. <laughs> uh, as much as I love us, I swear. <laughs> Bruh, we're just, we're just lost, man. We're lost. <laughs> They're deporting Haitian. They're deporting Haitians. That's over here right now, and deporting them back to Haiti, where they know it's fucked up in Haiti right now. I talked about it on the last show. Go back and listen to it. But they're importing Afghans here, plus giving them resources, money, and all that other stuff. A lot of them Afghans that they importing over here gonna have a liquor store or 
a convenience store or something in a couple of months. Trust me. <sighs> More on the Afghan front. You know, there's always been controversy and stuff about, you know, donating to the Red Cross and stuff like that. And I'm going to read this, this report right here. It says, based on a year-long investigation by the Iowa Republican and his staff, Iowa Senator Chuck Grazley has reported that the esteemed charity organization Red Cross received an outpouring of donations after the 2010 quake. Nearly $500 million, more than any other nonprofit organization received. But sadly, it's all ambitious plans to build housing for the earthquake victims completely failed on the ground in Haiti. <sighs> the Red Cross says it has provided homes to more than 130,000 earthquake victims. But the actual number of permanent homes the group has built in all of Haiti is just six. Six. As per the charity organization's report, they spent $70 million on, quote, program expenses, end quote, which include funds spent to oversee and evaluate its Haiti programs, meaning that they just niggas was lining their pockets up with some fucking money. Niggas was taking money out of this, out of these charitable donations and lining their pockets up for their, for their own reasons. Back to the report. In its early reports, Red Crosses had repeatedly told that of the total funds it receives on humanitarian programs, it spends up to 9%. In recent case, it should be $45 million dollars on internal expenses. However, Grazley's office found that 25% of the total donations, $500 million, sent to Haiti, or about $125 million, were spent as fundraising and management ex expenses. Man, man, oh man. Niggas is lining their pockets up, getting them some money, boy. Let me pause this real quick and take a commercial break. I'll be right back. <laughs> And I'm back. Um, okay, uh, moving along. Report. Uber is currently facing backlash after a user implies that ride prices may be affected by race. This was a post that uh, went viral on social media of a couple. The guy was a white guy, and his lady was black. And they both pulled up Uber. His Uber was in the $30 range. Her Uber was in the $50 range, going to the same location. So now Uber is facing backlash for that. So just something to think about. And that's the end of the Blackity Black Woke segment. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you learned something from it. So, I don't know, man. I'm just... <laughs> Whew. Lizzo. Lizzo, Lizzo, Lizzo. I don't know too much about the story. Um, I know she recently released a new single with Cardi B. Had a video for it and everything. I didn't listen to the song and I didn't watch the video. I didn't. I. I didn't. I didn't have no. Um, no reason to want to listen to it or see the video. But I know she released the. Uh, 
a video. Um, I don't know if she went live or what, where she was on there crying and stuff because of people was criticizing the, the song or the video and stuff like that. But I say, or I bring this all up because um, we know Lizzo has a, a history of her theatrics. And I'm not taking away from her emotions or anything like that. Her emotions could be could be real. I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not here for that. I'm I'm the mental health guy and all that other stuff. I ain't here for that. You know, her emotions and her her feelings and stuff could be real. I don't know. I'm not I'm not here for that. What I'm here to talk about is even after her making that video where she was crying and stuff, she popped up with a video of her twerking with her ass out in a park, a park where kids were playing and stuff at. She had a band and everything out there playing while she was twerking in the park with kids and stuff. So this is more the theatrics right here. So my whole thing is if you live in your life with these theatrics, to put out there. And this goes, this is the same things with Little Nas X and any other of these, these celebrities, these so-called celebrities or these so-called influencers and all that other stuff. You have to be prepared for the backlash. I mean, especially if you're doing shit like this, outlandish shit that you don't need to be doing. So it's kind of like, are uh, you, this is deeper. Like on the surface level, you know, they doing the outlandish stuff and they they crying because they're getting a reaction, but it's deeper. It's something going on. You know what I'm saying? I'm always gonna take the mental health angle on things. Like something's going on where she feel the need to do these outlandish things, Nas X, all these, all these these celebrities or influencers. It's trying to seek attention, sympathy, and stuff like that. And I feel as though that, you know, I can speak on it because I feel as though I've been there. All of us been there. We we've been to a point where We've done something to seek somebody's attention or get sympathy or something like that. Nobody's immune to it. So I don't want to hear no bullshit about somebody saying that they ain't never been there because that's a fucking lie. <laughs> so you have to expect shit like that. People criticizing you and stuff when you when you always putting yourself in situations to warrant attention. That you know everybody ain't going to be on. But what's crazy about it is, is that, like, Facebook and Instagram, they they removed a lot of the racist and, and quote-unquote fat-phobic comments that were directed towards her on their platforms. And I'm not saying that's wrong. That's cool. But where's the consistency on other ends of, of things? You know, they will censor somebody for talking about um, indigenous black, so-called black Americans being indigenous to this this country. They will censor that. They will stop people from posting that. They will stop people from posting their views on being against vaccinated and stuff like that. They will do all of that, you know what I'm saying? But for some reason, they decided, these, these social media platforms decided to delete people's comments or get, or get rid of their pages, block the people, all that, from making comments about Lizzo. 
How is that possible? So that says to me that there's an agenda going on here. It has to be. It has to be an agenda going on. People have to question this stuff. Why aren't more people questioning this shit like this? <sighs> this is just some trolling shit, man. This is really is like, and this is just this is just emboldening Lizzo to keep doing the shit like that when when she sees she has support from the social media companies, the corporations. You know what I'm saying? So she going to keep doing bullshit like this. You sitting here at a park twerking with your ass out. You was at the Lakers game with your ass out with families, kids, and stuff. Like, come on now, man. Like, and then people talking about some her size and she should be able to do this and all that other stuff. But you look, we've had plenty of of, of women that are considered big or quote unquote fat. I mean, you know what I'm saying? No matter how wrong the word is, you know people use it. We had plenty of celebrities. You had Rita Franklin, you got Jill Scott or whatever. And these are classy women that didn't wasn't doing outlandish stuff like this. They was using their talent. They were straight using their talent. But it seems like the day that we live in with the social media and shit like that, people who just feel they gotta do some outlandish shit. They just can't be talented. Like you think about it, um, Jasmine Sullivan. Jasmine Sullivan is an amazing singer, and you know at one point before she uh, took more uh, accountability for her health and stuff like that, Jasmine Sullivan was big, but she was still a great singer. She wasn't out here doing all this outlandish stuff and like that, trying to get attention, showing her ass and being butterball naked on social media and stuff like that, talking about some I love the skin I'm in and stuff like that, and then crying the next minute when people criticize you. Come on. Like, you are warranting this attention. You are pulling this attention to you. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be proud of being big and stuff. Think about it. Even with Monique, the comedian, Monique. She used to talk about skinny women all the time, talking about it, talking about the fat liberation and all this other stuff. Big girl, big girl that's made a movie about it and everything. But then what happened? Monique took accountability and got herself healthy. And Monique, she lost weight. And now you don't even hear that talk out of her no more. She over here criticizing people for wearing bonnets and shit. The hypocrisy. And it... I understand there will always be hypocrisy in America. Hypocrisy in America, hypocrisy with individuals, with groups and all of that. Everybody will have some form of hypocrisy to their life. I understand that. But when you actually pushing the hypocrisy, then there's, you have to question it. It ain't got nothing to do with Lizzo's size. It's about her conduct. Her conduct. They want to throw it off as well. You got these skinny women out here twerking and stuff like that. Them skinny, them skinny celebrities or influencers, they be getting criticized by people too. So stop using these narratives. Whew, man. Yeah. And then and the, the crazy thing about it is, like, from what I hear, I'm not a Lizzo fan. I don't listen to her music, anything like that. But I heard she, like, play instruments. Like, she's really talented. So I'm like, why are you doing all of this? Like, 
So it's like it's a deeper issue there where she's trying to seek extra attention or she wants more because she's not getting enough. It's an, it's an addiction. Like I said, we all have addictions. We all Addictions just ain't drugs and alcohol or sex. There's plenty of other addictions. Addictions to TV, food, attention, addiction to negativity, toxicity, all that. She's out here using the black woman card and all that other stuff. That's an insult and a disrespect to other black women who are out here conducting themselves in a more respectable manner, respectable not just to society because that's definitely not what I'm talking about because when it comes down to it, you should ultimately do what makes you happy, but respectability to yourself. Mm. Let me see where I'm at. Let me see where I'm at. Um, Damon Wayans wants to do a comedian versus battle with Dave Chappelle. I thought that would be interesting because I saw a lot of people saying that Dave Chappelle was going to watch Damon Wayans and stuff like that. But I'm a I'm a Damon Wayne's fan. And it's not coming from a biased point of view because I'm a Dave Chappelle fan as well. But I just think that I just think a lot of people just get romanticized with the current moment of things. And at the current moment, Dave Chappelle is more relevant than Damon Wayne's is right now. Damon Wayne's was more relevant back in the day as opposed to Dave Chappelle. People didn't even know who Dave Chappelle was. Dave Chappelle was actually corny to black people when they when Damon Wayans was was popular. I mean, Damon Wayans comes from comedian royalty, <laughs> you know, with the Wayans family. But I just don't see it as if they was actually to do a versus, I just don't see Damon Wayans getting washed by Dave Chappelle. Damon Wayans is a great comedian. Like I see a lot of people talking about some Damon Wayans uh stand-ups was trash and stuff like that. I'm like Y'all really need to go back and look at them Jones because that's not the case. Damon Wayne's is very funny. He's very funny, he's very intelligent, and he's very sarcastic with his comedy, which makes it very funny. Like thinking about my wife and kids and stuff like that. I just look at Dave Chappelle. I don't even think Dave Chappelle is all that funny, honestly. I think Dave Chappelle where I'm a fan of Dave Chappelle is he's more thought-provoking, and he uses his, he sprinkles his comedy into that. Like, uh, just talking about uh, Dick Gregory and his documentary on a couple of episodes ago, like, Dave Chappelle is more so taking the, uh, the, the path of uh, Dick Gregory. You know, he's using his comedy to be more thought-provoking and, and push, um, you know, the... The push the the racial disparities out there in the world, and you you we've seen that with his um with the Chappelle show, and it's funny because you know just thinking about the Chappelle show, I wasn't really on the Chappelle show like that until they started doing the, and I didn't see other people on the Chappelle show like that or even talking about it like that until Charlie Murphy started doing his stories and stuff where he was doing stories about Rick James and 
um, the Prince story and stuff like that. People weren't really on the Chappelle show like that until um, Charlie Murphy really em- started being more put on the spotlight with his skits and stuff like that. Because I got the uh, they, the Chappelle show uh, DVDs and... Like, it's only certain episodes I will watch. Like, some episodes are just, just like, eh, okay. Like, they wasn't really funny. But, you know, I don't. I just look at it like a lot of people are just basing this stuff off of the Chappelle show and stuff like that. And I just feel like people are just being romanticized with the moment. Sort of similar. I don't want to bring this up, but I'm going to bring it up as an example. With Michael Jordan and LeBron James, like, LeBron James ain't as good as Michael Jordan. He just isn't. (laughs) I'm sorry. He just isn't. I think a lot of people just romanticize with the moment, the current moment, of LeBron James being in the spotlight. But LeBron James is not no fucking Michael Jordan. He's just not. But it is. I'm interested to see what will happen if they will actually, if they will start doing comedian versus. Um, OnlyFans. If you haven't heard by now, but OnlyFans will be banning porn in a month. <laughs> they will still be allowing people to do uh, nude photos and videos, but no sexual stuff, no porn and stuff like that. So you gotta, you gotta go back to Pornhub and all them other websites. If you need some websites to see your free porn, you know, you can hit me up and I'll let you know. I I know some things. <laughs> But no, nah, seriously, um, yeah, this this is crazy right here. Um it's OnlyFans exploited people, man. They exploited people. This is this is like gentrification right here, boy. They 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 build up the <laughs> they build up the <laughs> they build up their state, get rid of you. Oh man. Well, it ain't. It's similar to gentrification, but man, <laughs> they use these "quote unquote" sex workers so they can get their 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 um, engagements, their their traffic, their online traffic, their online clout, their you know their their money and all that other stuff. They exploited these people, and now they're kicking them out. But it ain't no big deal. I mean, shit. People just go back to doing what they was doing before OnlyFans. I mean, people just making such a big deal out of it. I mean, in a sense, it is kind of a big deal because OnlyFans gave a lot of people independence of making their own money on their own terms. So, yeah, it is a big deal. I'm going to reverse that. It is a big deal because now, you know, uh, conspiracy theorist mode um, is... A lot of people looking at it as, you know, the, the government is getting involved and, you know, the corporations and stuff like that because they don't want people to be so independent to be able to make the money on their own. They want to be they want to make sure that people are still having that being that mindset where they have to depend on the government and stuff or or assistance from other people. They just can't they don't want people to be too independent. They just don't. <laughs> oh man. Where I'm at. Okay. So last week I talked about uh a book that I purchased. Um 
And I, I just mentioned it a little bit and, and gave a little excerpt from the book. One second. Excuse me. The book that I mentioned on the last episode was Conscious Loving, The Journey to Co-Commitment, A Way to Be Fully Together Without Giving Up Yourself. And it's by Gay Hendricks, Ph.D. I say Ph.D. Ph.D. and Kathleen Kendricks, Ph.D. And I started reading the book this week. I started reading it Monday. And, man, this book, from the beginning of the book, it was giving some gut punches. And, man, that book is telling nothing but the truth. So I'm going to read again the little excerpt that I read from the last episode. It said, you know, the book. Uh, conscious loving it says in order to have a healthy relationship, both parties must commit to releasing victimhood in a co-committed relation. No one plays the victim because each person takes 100 percent responsibility for their role in the relation. Most people are committed to power struggles and ego constantly focused on who is right, who is wrong, who is hurt the most, who was hurt the most in the past, who is doing what. And it is so harmful. So. Let me read a let me read some stuff from uh some of the beginning pages. Okay, it says the ideas in this book apply not only to couples but to any close relationship. They work even if you have an uncooperative partner. They work even if you have no current partner. Many of our clients worked out their major issues while single, then went on to form successful co-committed relationships. A great deal of powerful change can occur when one person in the relationship breaks free. Don't fall into the trap of waiting to change until your until your partner is ready. Waiting for others to change is a sign of unconscious loving. Go ahead and make a total commitment to your individual development. However, if your partner is willing to commit to the program, the changes can be rapid indeed. And it, and when I read that part, that's so true because like a lot of times, um, most most uh, quote unquote toxic relationships, both of them just going back and forth, arguing. Like like I read in that excerpt, you know, being the victim, um, committed to the power struggles and the ego. You know, who's right, who's wrong. You know, just that back and forth, that tug of war type shit. But then you'll at some point somebody is going to want to make a change or whatever. And then that turn, somebody's making a change. The person who ain't making the change is going to have an issue with it. They're going to have a problem with it. They're going to see it as a person is maybe, they're going to still be in that toxic mode. The person's cheating. Or they don't love me no more. Or they don't care about me no more. Or, they think they better than me. Stuff like that. Never think of, and this, and this goes even further to the dynamic of a man and woman. Like, say if it was the man trying to make that change and he was trying to lead by example and stuff like that. But then the woman is still in a situation where she's hurt and she can't get over that hurt and she she still got people in her ear, her mother, her aunts, her friends, and all that other stuff. So she's she not seeing the change. She don't trust the change. She don't want to trust the change. She don't believe in it because she don't trust him. She don't trust men, period. 
So what is that man to do? Is he supposed to say that, stay there and, and keep getting beat down? He can't fully continue to grow if he's stuck in that situation where she don't have any faith or trust in him and stuff like that. So eventually he's going to have to pull apart. The relationship is going to end at some point because either the girl's going to go looking for something, you know, she's going to get pushed to go look for something or to believe something. And she's going to see something just based off of that belief that ain't really there because of fear and stuff like that. And then it's just going to end period. It's a, and this is just coming from a guy. And there's a lot of women out here that just don't trust men. They have their dad wounds or or whatever, you know. They just don't trust men. So despite the fact they, they will say all day long they want a change from their man. They want their man to step up and be a man and all this other stuff. But they still don't trust them. So they don't really want that. They just want control. No matter the changes that the man is making, he's making them for himself first in order to better the relationship. But if it ain't how she wants it to be changed or want him to change or to grow, then it's still going to be a problem. So it's all about control over how the woman usually wants it to go. But let me read another um, part of the book. When you are codependent, we do not have relationships. We have entanglements. Y'all love that word, right? Entanglements. <laughs> relationships can exist only between equals. Inequality is a hallmark of codependence. The dictionary defines entanglement as a snare and a complication. It is a net from which escape is difficult. The dictionary says that two things are entangled when they are enfolded upon each other in such a way that the freedom of each is limited. This is exactly what codependence is. It is also an unconscious conspiracy between two or more people to feel bad and to limit each other's potential. And I remember what I said, no matter if somebody's trying to grow, if they're still in that toxic environment, it's only so far they can go because their potential is limited. The basic contract is, if I allow you to sleepwalk through life, you won't make, you won't make me wake up either. I'm going to read that again. The basic contract is, if I allow you to sleepwalk through life, you won't make me wake up either. So it's kind of a, just like it says, it's unconscious. It's an unconscious love. As long as I'm sleepwalking through life, you won't make me wake up. You can't. Because it's unconscious. I'm unconscious in this moment. I'm loving you unconsciously. Let me read another. Codependence is inequality. Relationships exist only between equal, whole persons. If two people in a relationship have agreed to be less than whole, their problems are multiplied. For example, when you multiply half times half, you get one-fourth. Less than you had on your own. 
This is how codependence works. Two people come into a relationship and limit each other's potential. They end up with less than they had before. The relationship is blamed often for many years, but it was never a relationship at all. It was an entanglement that began with a tiny moment of, un- of unconsciousness and mushroomed into something that brought pain. Oh, I cut. I got cut off for a second. Let me see. It says, uh, mushroom into something that brought pain. It is this tiny moment that we will study. Well, that's. Yeah, so. As long as one person is not willing to grow or evolve, it's not going to go nowhere. Both people have to be doing the work. Both people have to be consciously loving each other. They have to. Both people have to let go, strip down, and do the work. Should I read this part? Let me see. It says, codependents often do not touch liquor or drugs, but they are addicted. Mama says is other addictions than just drugs and alcohol. Codependents are codependents often do not touch liquor or drugs, but they are addicted, nonetheless, to something much subtler. Control and approval. Often these um, addictions continue long after any substance addictions have been resolved. One of our codependent clients in recovery put the problem very eloquently after a breakthrough session. Quote, now I feel a sensor of light and God consciousness in me, but I've never been able to contact or express it before. Instead, all my thoughts were about how I could manipulate people to give me what I want or how I could get them to like me. I've never had a single pure thought before. End quote. This man, this man had made a profound discovery. When you can break through your approval and control programming, there is a natural, organic, spiritual essence within you that can be consciously experienced. And this is... And when they talk about this consciousness, this goes back to when I when I to my blog reflexes. Like all of this shit is is the same thing, just with just different words. Like we have the reflexes, we have these fears, we have these defense mechanisms, and all that other stuff that prevent us from consciously loving, being in the present moment, not staying stuck in the past or worrying about the future. Conscious present. Conscious, present, conscious, present, conscious, present moment. Okay, let me read this last one. This is uh, page 10. It says, um, the drive for approval and to avoid disapproval, dominates the relationship of codependence. As one woman put it, quote, before I started loving myself and feeling good about me, all my moves were based on trying to get people to like me or to keep them from disliking me. 
This led me to do a lot of things I didn't want to do. This was a particular problem with men. And I understand that totally. Majority of my life I lived it trying to get people to to like me or not dislike me, where I wasn't authentically being myself. Figuring out who I was, loving myself, all that good stuff. Like, I was thinking about this a, a while ago, and it's interesting that this, this is coming up, so now I can bring it up a little bit. I was sitting there thinking about how, like, a lot of my life that I've lived it, trying to live that, live, be the, the quote-unquote good guy or the upstanding guy or whatever, so much to the point where I was people-pleasing. I wasn't being who I truly was. I was so worried about people liking me or not disliking me where it didn't even matter because whatever I was doing, even when I was trying to please people or trying to get people to, to see me or love me and stuff like that, just based off of how, you know, my childhood went and that being my parent wound coming from both my mom and dad's side, that it was going to be some shit where they didn't like me anyway. And I'm sitting here, I was sitting here thinking, I was just like, I lived so much of my life like that where it's like, despite the fact that I can be very blunt and brash or whatever, but it will only come in moments. It would only come in moments when I would get to get to that point where I was just like, fuck it. But now I'm I'm at the point where um, you know, being in therapy and stuff like that, where it just don't matter no more. Like I'm I'm done with trying to be the good guy or whatever. You gonna like me or you don't like me, you know? Cause when it comes down to it, I am a good guy. I'm a good guy that makes mistakes. I'm a good guy that is gonna rub you the wrong way based off of Whatever triggers you got or, you know what I'm saying, that's just what life is all about, you know. You can't go throughout life trying to make everybody happy because it's just not going to work. So you just need to just be your damn self and just, it's just going to be what it is. <laughs> so, yeah. But trust me, we'll come back to that later. And let me uh pull these clips up. These, these are uh two different clips. They got broken up, but they, they both go together. So I'm going to start with the first one. Bear with me. If you grew up in a household where you were seen and heard and understood, those are the people who do take responsibility for their own happiness. I think for people who felt like they were ripped off in their childhoods, there's a part of them that's still in a fight. There's a part of them that still wants that redo. They're not aware of this, but what they're saying is basically, I will not change mom and dad until you give me the things that I did not get in childhood. So they'll go find a partner that emulates their environment from mom and dad and try to change them so they well well right this is this is the irony of relationship right for those people who have not sort of worked through it um this is so common 
And I think all of us have this piece in us, right? Because nobody had a perfect childhood. Mm -hmm. So you, what happens is people say, okay, when I'm an adult, I'm gonna pick a partner who really makes me feel nourished, who really gives me all those things that I did not get growing up. But what they don't realize is unconsciously, they have this radar <laughs> for the people if you, you hear you hear how all of this is going together, and then I I didn't even plan this. Usually, the, well, I ain't gonna say usually. This shit usually just comes together like this, and I just I just give it all to all to uh, God, and it's just working through me because I didn't even I didn't even realize that this went with the uh, the book excerpts and stuff like that. I really didn't. But yeah, unconsciously, even though we say we want this person, we want that person, or whatever, based off of what we've gone through in our childhood and stuff like that. But unconsciously, we gravitate towards that because that's what we used to. And then a lot of times, you know, uh, when we get the person that, that we, we say we want, we push them away or we in defense mode with them. We self-sabotage. You have a person uplifting you, giving you love, you know, there for you, all the intangible things. All the things that you you know you want, you know you need, but unconsciously, unconsciously in your mind, you self-sabotage because you don't feel that you're worth it. You know, you're not worth. I don't feel that I'm worthy of it because this is what I've been used to all my life. Or you're afraid to to let it get to get too close to the person, or to let it, or let these feelings really get inside you and embrace you, because you don't want it to be taken away from you. You're afraid. You're afraid at any moment that that shit gonna be taken away from you, and then you're just gonna be devastated. Well, let me play the next clip. Up, but what they don't realize is unconsciously they have this radar <laughs> for the people really? who are go who look very different from their parents on the surface. But then once they get into that relationship, it's kind of like, uh oh, this feels familiar, right? And so what they did was their unconscious said when they were picking their partner, "Hey, you look familiar. Come closer." Even mm. though unconsciously they thought, "Oh, you're totally different from my parents. I'm gonna. This is gonna work out great." But no, they have radar for that if they haven't worked out the stuff that's sort of their unfinished business. There's this saying, we marry our unfinished business. Ooh. We actually do marry our unfinished business. So that is why it is so important as an adult to take responsibility and say, you know what? I am going to have to grieve this loss of what I didn't get. And I'm going to have to work through this and assess where I am as an adult so that I pick people and surround myself with people who are healthy for me. Do the work, people. We have to do the work. Even if you're not going to go to therapy, do the work. Do do something. <laughs> I mean, there's it's plenty of avenues out here. Talked about it plenty of times before. But I do suggest starting with therapy so you can identify things. Once you identify things, then you, once you identify the, the core issues and you learn how to, nav to uh, heal those things, you ain't got to stay in therapy forever because, honestly, some people use therapy as a crutch You, because when it comes down to it, that therapist can't do the work for you. They can't heal you. You have to do the work. That's why the times that I've taken breaks and stuff like that, 
I've been fine with it because I know the work that I have to do. But I'll get back to that. Yeah. Let me see. I think I'm going to keep these videos for later. Okay, got another clip. Moving on. But we still in the same arena. Let me play this clip. One second. The word for today, ladies, is going to be accountability. Because one thing that I'm noticing on a consistent basis is that it's hard for a lot of my sisters to take accountability and just shut up. Soaking, it's my fault. I need to work on this. I need to do this. I need to grow without pointing fingers, talking about what somebody else did to trigger you or what this happened and that, 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 that. all that other, whoa, whoa, we ain't talking about that. We're going to take accountability today. We're going to soak in that and that's just going to be that. We're going to pr practice and work on our growth and think about the things that we could have done differently. And we are going to take accountability. That's what today is about. Women taking accountability. I don't want to hear excuses about what somebody did to you or how somebody triggered you. Not today. Not That's not the time right now. So let's accountability. Let's bask in that and see how we can grow from it. That's all. I didn't play this clip specifically for um, just women. This clip just happens to be in here. Um, originally, yeah. But as the show has been going along and I've been been listening as well because I'm getting something from this as well. This clip ain't even for ladies. It's for, for men and women. Us taking accountability for our wounds. For our wounds. Our inner child wounds. Our mom and dad wounds. Anything that's happened in our life that brought us to the place that we are today. Just taking accountability and doing the work. But I think what's interesting is about this clip is that it is important for women to be accountable because of the way that society programs women to to be entitled and to look at it as though that they need to be the victim in relationships. And I'm not blaming women for this. This is an this is the program that's been placed upon women in movies and TV shows and all that other stuff. This is advertised to y'all. This is programmed to y'all. Y'all are indoctrinated into this from an early age to look at it as though their relationships are to be one-sided and y'all are entitled. Y'all, you, you all are the entitled individual in the relationship. That the whole relationship should be catered to you. And this programming and this indoctrination isn't fair to you because you're missing out on the beautifulness or the true essence of an actual relationship because there are two humans in this relationship that should be working together, being partners, and having a beautiful life. <laughs> I got another clip though. Um, let me pull this up. Can't be the only one with this kind of story. About two years ago, I was in a relationship with a man, and he was about 40. I was about, what, 25, 27, something like that. <laughs> but he was willing to invest in me physically, 
financially, emotionally, religiously, like all aspects. He wanted to make me a better woman for him. Well, he boosted my self-esteem and my well-being so much that I thought that I could do better than him. And now fast forward, I am now post dealing with a narcissist. I now understand that not all men have your best intention at heart. Not all men will invest in you and not all men will uplift you. So when you get the opportunity to date such a man, do not let it go. Well, this clip is for the ladies. <laughs> but just very honestly, it's, it's, all this stuff is always for everybody because ain't is it's never... I don't ever want to come over as I'm the I'm I'm that guy that just be pushing this this narrative of women this women this whatever because that's definitely not the case. I I definitely understand that all this stuff is deeper than it. I do understand that like I just talked about there's certain programs and indoctrinations that are specifically geared towards women or whatever, but you know all things go both sides. But seriously, like it's not talking enough about how there's men out here that invest in women that they're dating or in a relationship with, partnership, whatever you want to call it. And these women move on from them once they, you know, get built up. It's always one-sided that, you know, a woman builds up a man and then that man leaves. That that whole narrative of of a woman been in a relationship with a man for this amount of time and then soon as they break up a year later he get married to another woman you gotta stop that narrative man like seriously this shit is both sides like this video is perfect example and that's why i brought it up because it's a lot of men out here that invest and I've said this plenty of times before. Men are more intentional about who they want to be with and marry as opposed to women. Women will take any time a man gives them some type of attention or anything like that, any quote-unquote consistency, even though that consistency could just be for getting some ass. And, and I just saw a post earlier today saying that shit, like consistency, a woman posted it talking about some consistency takes away the men from the boys or some shit she said like that. And I just wanted to respond and be like, niggas show consistency for ass all day. I've seen it plenty of times. But, yeah, honestly, I mean, there's a lot of men out here that have, that have and still invest in women uplift them, encourage them, push them to be the best woman that they can be, ain't trying to compete with them, be jealous of them, envious of them or nothing. And the women just don't really, and this is this is why I be talking about the intangible shit. And this is the problem with social media. I, I tweeted out a couple of days ago about how social media has really fucked up the... Um, the quote-unquote little things. You know, everything has to be extravagant. Everything has to be uh, so outlandish and stuff. But it's all about tangibles. What about the intangibles? Like, we seriously don't take account of the intangibles. And investing in a woman, affirming her, all that other good stuff, all that 
that stuff, stuff like that, like intangible stuff, showing her the love and all that other stuff through those type of acts, those intangible things. I don't think women care about that stuff. I ain't going to say all women. Y'all know how, you know, I I didn't preface it, but when I say women, I'm not talking all women. But women don't care about that stuff. Women want the tangible shit. They want the shit that they can show off on social media, the trips, the cars, the money, the bags, the shoes, all that bullshit, the dinners, uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But not the intangible shit, not the investments, not the, <sighs> y'all know. <laughs> Let me move on. Um, I found this, uh, this post on Express Yourself Black Man on Instagram. It's a page that I follow. It The content is, you know, uh, for black men to uplift themselves, you know, to heal and stuff like that. So let me get in. It says, black man, here are 10 signs you may have a father wound. Father wound. And this goes for, this goes for um, both men and women, honestly. Um. So let me pull that post up. I thought it was a very interesting. I meant to uh, have it on an early episode, but, you know, everything works out. So here we are. Number one, it says signs you may have a father wound. Number one. Hold on, I got burp. Excuse me, I'm so sorry. Excuse me. Number one. Low self-esteem, low confidence. As children, we are self-centered. So as child, so a child, so as a child, you may have put the blame on yourself. I mean, honestly, that's true. Um, the comp the self-esteem and confidence, just coming from the man point of view, I can't really speak from the woman's side with her father one because when it comes down to it, you know, in society it's always talked about with 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 men, they have a mother wound, and that's what the main focus. And then with women, they have a father wound, and that's the main focus. But in actuality, man and woman, you have uh, both have a mother and father wound because they're both prevalent in your life, whether if they were present or not, you know. But yeah, with the confidence and self esteem, that's definitely true. Um, I've talked about this before, even though my father was at home. Um, my father was involved with me. Like, he didn't show up to my basketball games, my baseball games, track meets and stuff like that. And he wasn't really present, you know, emotionally, mentally and stuff like that. So I've I always had a low self-esteem or low confidence growing up and stuff like that. I didn't when as a man, that's actually I feel where you get your confidence from your teachings from your dad or other male figures in your life or whatever. That's that's what you learn. That's that's the presence you have, that that confidence as a male. Like that's a big thing of being a male. That presence, that confident presence. And when you when you think about uh, uh attraction from when you uh, a woman being attracted to a man or whatever, what what do they normally say? His confidence, his presence, his confidence. That's the confidence in his presence. Number two, anger, a feeling of resentment or hatred towards men. I can't say that is necessarily true 
about a man that may be more so for a woman, you know, when they if they have a father wound, they may have anger and resentment toward a man. But I do say that anger is important, is an important father wound in a man's life with the aspect of him not being able to control his anger. Control his anger being disciplined and stuff like that. That's that's how that's what I feel is important. So number three, rigid boundaries. If your father was unreliable, you may have internalized that you cannot let people close to you because you believe when you let people close to you that they let you down. And I actually can't agree with that. I actually can't agree with that. Like, um, I do have a tendency or I've had a tendency to not trust a lot of the guys um, that I've come across, but I I never really knew why. So that may have something to do with a father wound. That's something that I didn't, I've never really dissected or got into in therapy or whatever. So that's something that I can, I can take note of and possibly bring up in therapy. So I'll, I'll leave that, um, you know, for a later date for myself. Number four, loose boundaries. You may have you may have internalized that in order to be loved. You have to be available to people at all times, so you struggle saying no or enforcing your boundaries. Um, I can agree with that. Yeah, just for the fact of just that, I think that goes back more so to the confidence factor, being confident in in your boundaries, being confident and saying no and stuff like that, just being confident in yourself to have boundaries and to actually stand by those boundaries. Five, most emotionally unavailable partners. I think that speaks for itself, whether mother or father, father wound that, you know, if you had a, a parent that's been emotionally unavailable that you will attract those. I mean, that's something that was spoken about in those previous clips. Number six, chronic depression and anxiety. Being abandoned or neglected by your father can bring a feeling of I am not good enough, building resentment, fear of loss, anger, and shame. I can agree with that. I mean, that's, that goes both ways, mother and father wound. If, you're, if, if you haven't had a, an emotionally present parent there. Seven, excessive laziness and procrastination. And that, yeah, that goes to, back to what I was saying about the confidence um, and discipline. And it says here with number seven, issues with confidence, power, and success. These are the teachings that a man should get from his father figures. Number eight, issues with authority, mistrust, and resentment. And that goes back to, yeah, not trusting uh, other guys and stuff like that. I mean, you you have this tendency of, of, of fighting back, you know, authority and stuff. Because you don't trust it. You're just like, who the fuck is you to be telling me this? You know? <laughs> Number nine, repeating the same par- pattern in parenting. I mean, that speaks for itself. And I, I swear that I think about this all the time, that I glad, I'm glad I didn't have a child at an early age because I didn't want to pass down the same stuff that, you know, was brought on to me. You know, I feel that I'm in a very different position and a much greater and better position to be a father today because of the therapy that I've gone through, the healing that I've gone through, and the continued growth and evolution that I have as a man. Number 10, addictions and compulsion slash abuse, sex or drug addiction. That goes back to 
discipline and confidence in yourself and, and just not, you know, um, looking, looking and searching for some type of sti- stimulation. But yeah, I thought that was a good post. So, you know, this page is Express Yourself Black Man on Instagram. So ladies, share that with your guys and fellas, check that page out, follow them and stuff. It's a good, it's a good resource. They have a lot of good things on there. Um, <sighs> moving along, what's next? Um, let me see. Um, what's next? What is next? All right, here we go. Please, please take the time out to unlearn the fact that a man has always got to be held at such a high standard. He's always got to be the one to check on everybody else, but who's gonna check on you? As your woman, that's my job. That's one thing my man ain't never got to worry about. Baby, how was your day? Don't We don't want to talk about me. We're not going to talk about me. How was your day? How you feeling today? How your mental? How was your spiritual? Like, are you good? You know what I'm saying? Is something bothering you? Okay, cool, baby. Go on in there and take you a shower. Cleanse yourself. Come out. I got you. I'm going to rub your feet. Give you a massage. Whatever it is you need. But I need you to relax. Today is about you. And it ain't just going to be no special day, no holiday. I need my man to know that I'm a safe place. I am a place where you can come lay off. All your burdens down i am want you to exude some vulnerability with me i need you to show me that you my gentle giant yeah your boys ain't got to know all this because it ain't nobody's business blood mines and yours but baby i need you to know that i got you so if you got to rest your head up in my bosom and talk to me do you understand me ain't got feelings too i talk about this plenty of times on the podcast before but it was funny because i woke up this morning and like I said, this has been a difficult week for me. And um, after I did my affirmations and stuff, um, I got on social media, and that was the first thing I saw. So I was like, I just looked at it as like, this is a sign. It's a sign for me to, because I've been contemplating whether or not I was going to talk about, you know, um, what I've been kind of going through lately or whatever. But I've been having a difficult time, and, you know, to hear that, that, that gave me some reassurance, even though I don't know that woman or it wasn't it wasn't something personal to me. But I've been kind of going through it lately because, you know, I talk about a lot how I how I grow, how I grew up and how I grew up a lot uh, on my own. I mean, my parents were there, but they wasn't emotionally and mentally present. And I had to spend a lot of time to myself and that just grew over time. A lot of, you know getting it getting into depression and anxiety social anxiety I've had to spend a lot of time by myself and I've had a difficult time the past uh couple of weeks particularly this week or whatever and I wasn't gonna share but you know people be like yeah my favorite episodes is when you vulnerable and stuff like that and I just be thinking like the negative side I'll be thinking like man y'all just nosy y'all just want to hit it here nigga down or whatever like that or whatever but yeah, man, like for me to have the fellas coming through today is is like a big thing to me or whatever, because I, I don't have nobody coming through for me. Like, honestly, I mean, this is not to take a slight at anybody who's listening to this, who 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 I'm cool with or anything like that. But I'm just being honest. I'm always the one who is sending affirmations, sending meditations, sending book recommendations. I'm always the supportive person. I've always been the person, the 
the go-to person or whatever. That's how I feel. I mean, I don't know how other people look at me. That's not my concern no more. And I'm saying no more because it used to be my concern, but I'm, no more is not my concern. But I've always been the go-to person for people. I've always been the person to be over overextending myself for somebody else, and I'm always by myself. And to be honest, I got to take responsibility and 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 part of this though because a lot a lot of times in the past I I've been shut off because I didn't trust people. I didn't trust people's motives and stuff like that. So I definitely had to become more open. But even become becoming more open honestly things have been becoming more clear of, of how more of how more I have been out there to be there for everybody and nobody's been there for me like if i don't hit nobody up nobody will hit my phone my phone be dead silent trust my phone be dead fucking silent take away my good looks and all that other stuff that people be raving about or talking about my muscles all that surface shit my shit be dry my shit be dry nobody hits me up not my family, friends, nobody. Nobody hits me up unless I hit them up. And if usually, like, if if I'm getting hit up, it's off some gossip or some some stuff like that. That's how it's been in the past. And that's the thing, like, those red flags. Watch out for those people who only hit you up for gossip, or only hit you up when they when they having some struggles or whatever, and then you don't hear from them after that. Because those are leeches, those are vampires, and they, they, <laughs> those are energy vampires. <laughs> I mean, when it comes down to it, I'm an empath. And if anybody don't know what an empath, look it up. I'm not going to explain everything to you. You're an adult. Look some shit up for a change. Like your parents used to say, when you ask them what a word means, they told you look it up in the dictionary, look that shit up. <laughs> I'm an empath. Uh, I'm naturally a, a healer. You know what I'm saying? I remember one time when I was 13 years old and I was in church, right? And we was in a prayer circle and I was holding this old lady's hand. After the prayer was over, she stopped me and said to me, she was like, she was like, I don't know who you are. She was like, but I just felt this healing energy from your hand. I just felt something from you. And then, and I'm 13, 14 at the time. And I'm just looking at her like she crazy. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> but, and you know, as I got older, I understood what that was about. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. And it, and it had me thinking like over the past couple of weeks and more so today about how, you know, when I look at my dad growing up or whatever, my dad was always reserved, quiet and stuff. My dad went to work and he didn't even come home after he got off work. He didn't come home till later on that night and then he would go to sleep. And it had me just thinking about my dad and looking at him and how he would look and stuff like that. And and it makes me understand him more that he was probably had so much stuff going on inside of him and he didn't have no safe place to let it out. He didn't even want to come home. And then it made me think about my mom and my mom going through the things that she going through. But then that affected me and my brother. We was left out there. You know what I'm saying? It's not to put no blame on them because this shit is passed down. These are cycles. And this is something we have to learn. These are cycles. And I'm saying all this to say is just to point out things. You know, we we have we have all our stuff going on with us individually or whatever. 
And this is this says right here that you have to do some form of work because if you don't do no work, people that depend and rely on you are going to get left on left out there on the streets and have to fend for themselves and they're going to have to deal with the same things that you was dealing with because that shit was just passed down. And this week has been difficult for me. Like my anxiety ramped up for for some reason out of nowhere. I felt lonely. Like, I cried several times this week. I don't look at that as a bad thing, though, because, shit, men rarely cry. I I be trying to force myself to cry sometimes just to get their relief. But, like, I be alone a lot, man. And I know to a degree I play a role in that. Like I say, you know, um, the mistrust and I be be leery about things and then I have my social anxiety I've talked about that before how my social anxiety played a part a lot in you know in the past when people would invite me to things and stuff but my social anxiety not my social anxiety does social anxiety because I don't own it it would prevent me from being you know going places or going to events socializing with people meeting new people like I've been, I've been like, since I've been working at home for the past year and a half, going on two years, like, I spend a lot of time by myself in the house, man. I've been, I've been being called to take a road trip, and I've been trying to figure out where I'm going to go and stuff like that, and now have my reservations about that, my, my social anxiety will kick in and stuff, like, and it's crazy because, like, and this is this is when I talk about toxic posit- positivity. You have these these influencers out there on social media and stuff. They will feed you this toxic positivity. And y'all know I do the work. I go to therapy. I do my shadow work. I do my praying, my meditating, my journaling, my affirmations, my mirror work. I do all of that, my reading and whatever. But I still, you know, I still have my difficult times. I still have difficult days every now and then. I still have stress. All that. So don't let these people lie to you. You know what I'm saying? But the important thing is to do the work. Because even though, you know, I'm going I went through all of this during the week or whatever, I still know that one thing I will say, when you do the work, expect shit like this to happen. When you do the work, things are gonna come up. Things that have been deep down inside that you never considered, thought about worked on anything that stuff will come up but yeah i mean this this week has been kind of difficult last the past week past couple of weeks i mean this is stuff that i've gone through before but it seemed like this time has been different you know i've been i just feel like i ain't got nobody i <laughs> i'm gonna say this and and this will be the title of the episode i haven't been okay I'm not okay. I mean, I still make it through the days and stuff like that. I still have my routine, make it to the gym, do all my affirmations and my meditating and all that other stuff, but I haven't been okay. I'm not okay right now. I'm honestly not okay. And it's funny because even with me actually saying this, and I haven't really said this to myself, I'm feeling I'm feeling emotions coming up by actually admitting admitting this to myself that I am not okay. 
I pranced around the house, danced. You know, I went to the movie premiere. I went out to eat, hung out uh, last night with with, uh, with some good people and stuff like that. Had some drinks, you know, partied, you know, had a good time. But I'm still not okay. I'm not okay. I am not okay. And I think that's something that we need to learn to admit to ourselves. I am not okay. And we have to have these safe spaces, you know. It's tough, man. It's tough. But that that's that's life. I mean, I'm years ago before I started going to therapy and doing all the work or whatever, shit would have held me down and I wouldn't be able to do nothing. But, you know, um I'm glad that, you know, I'm I'm in a place that I that I'm that I'm at that way I can be okay and still keep moving. But that's not always a good thing because there's a, there's a lot of people out here that have high functional depression. And look that up, high functional depression. I can I can 100% say that that's not where I'm at. You know, I'm in a place where I'm aware of of my emotions and my feelings and what I'm going through. But I just got to ride the wave for a little while and keep continuing doing the work or whatever, you know. But I haven't been okay, and I'm not okay. And, you know, um, and, this, and this is where they where they throw this narrative out there on social media and stuff, talking about some you don't need no man or you don't need no woman and all that other stuff. We need people. We need people. Trust me. Granted. What's important is for the the self um, modifications, the self improvements, the self growth, the self love, and all that other stuff. That's definitely important. But you do need that support. You need that support. You need that um, that affirming, that love, that push, that motivation from other people. You need people. You do. We need people. Man and one black man, black woman, we need each other. We do. And black man, black man, we need to start pushing each other better. You know, we got to be there for each other. It can't just always be a, a drinking event or joning on each other event and all that other stuff. We have to sit down and have certain conversations with each other to build each other up and to figure out where we can support each other. And I've always been the thing been in the situations where you know I've gone I've been going through stuff like I've been going through and I don't want to reach out to people because I I don't want to make it all about me and I understand people have their lives and stuff like that but you know just just me thinking you know if if we call each other friends or loved ones and family and all that other stuff you have to make time for your friends family and your loved ones but you know that's my vulnerable moment, and I didn't think I was gonna do it. And I've been in, <laughs> I've been contemplating, but yeah, I haven't been okay. I'm I'm not okay. Um, every day has been a a, a journey um, because every day has been different, and I've been trying to keep it just at the present moment. But yeah, I haven't been okay. I'm not okay. So I appreciate you listening to this podcast. Um, U A N D U underscore network on Instagram where you have all of the podcasts on the network. Uh taste to consider podcasts on Instagram. A taste to consider on Instagram, a taste to consider.com, where you have the merchandise, greatest I am blog.com. I have the new blog still up there. 
um, reflection of our reflexes. And greatest.i.am.blog on Instagram. I appreciate you. Um, I'm a little over two hours, so I won't play a song, so I'll end it here. Um, make sure you share this podcast that it may help somebody that's going through something, you know. Fuck that popularity shit. This is about helping people. If you have a heart and you want to help somebody, share this shit. So, yeah, I'm out, and I'll talk to you uh, next week. And I hope you have a good week. And I won't say I love you. I will tell no. Since I'm being vulnerable and I said I'm not, I'm not okay and I haven't been okay, I love you. I love each and every one of you. If, if nobody has told you, because I damn sure haven't <laughs> nobody telling me. I love you. And make sure you get up and go to the mirror and tell yourself I love you as well. I appreciate you for listening. I appreciate you for sharing. Make sure you hit the download button on your streaming app. After you listen, you hit the button again, and it will be off your phone. That's how we get our numbers for each and every one of the podcasts on the network. Thank you.